0: Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to
1: another week of Uncommon Drive. We are excited to have you back. And today is a very special episode for us as we get a chance to talk with one of our friends. Uh, not only is our guest today, Uh, a fellow basketball official, but somebody that both Jeff and I feel privileged enough to call friend. And so, Jeff, why don't you introduce our guest today?
0: Well, everybody today is, as Chad's already mentioned, you know, a good friend of mine. Um, I've known this official for, I don't even want to guess how many years, but every bit of 15 years. um, We met first in the camping scene. I believe the first time we met, um, I might have been a clinician, and Aaron was a camper. And, um, and ever since then we've kind of just stayed connected, worked many ball games together. Um, and she's found some great success. Um, she's found herself a great husband, two kids, and uh, she's really made a, a great impact on the officiating community and her uh, her circle in general. So, without any further ado, Miss Aaron Frias.
2: Hey, Aaron, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. I'm. Very honored to be a part of your guys' content. Well, thank
1: you so much. Hey, why don't you start out, Aaron, by just telling us how you got into officiating to begin with?
2: Sure. I um, was 11 years old, and I started with soccer, club soccer. I played soccer, and my dad actually started up started us, my whole family. It was my dad and I have two older brothers. We'd ref soccer. We'd always take a field, you know tournaments and stuff like that. And we would rotate always one, you know, one was always out. So that's kind of how we started. And -hmm. then as I progressed in age, um, when I was 18, I graduated high school and he's, and I started basketball right around 16 and we just did summer league. He just taught me how, you know, get your mechanics, understand you played high, you play high school basketball. Um, why not referee? You know, either you can get a job. He kind of gave me two ulti- two ultimatums: either get a job, or you know, come referee. Let's you know, exercise, do something that you love. Um, you love to play basketball, so that's kind of how I started. It was at a small um, high school in near me, in Milwaukee area. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember my first game. I I'm, I said I was. In, I'm gonna tell a quick story. Sure. I, um Remember my first call that was absolutely wrong. And you guys will get a kick out of it. It's two person. Um, I'm lead, I'm inbounding offenses, inbounding in their front court. I throw it in the back court. They go get it. Beep, beep, beep. Violation over and back, mm-hmm. <laughs> back court violation. So, you know, and you know, that's how I made my mistake. And that's when I realized that, Hey, there's more to this, you know, and I can learn and I like learning. So that's when I started to continue summer leagues. I couldn't do much when I was attending high school. Then when I turned 18, my dad's like, all right, I signed you up. And this is where I met Jeff. I signed you up for a college camp, college women's camp. I hadn't done any high school. I mean, I just did summer league. He's like, just go get your feet wet. Go see what what it's about. I remember my two clinicians on my court, I didn't blow my whistle once that first game at camp. Not once, not even for out of bounds. Now I knew yeah. what I was doing about out of bounds, you know, I knew mm-hmm. that enough. And I was so gracious for the clinicians that were there that just kind of like, okay, relax. You know this, you know, whatever. Take, you know, I was I was a diamond in the rough, literally. And um, years went on, and and that's I kept coming back. I started doing high school. I did high school quite some time and to see plays and stuff like that so um the reason why my dad got me started is he did a lot of high school so that's kind of the backstory he didn't just shove me in there and say good luck <laughs> have fun so, <laughs> but that's I how have i'm my, you have mm-hmm.
0: so i just want to go back to the very beginning sure you were 11 years old when you refereed 11. soccer
2: yep i would do U8 so U10. you eight and you're ten Mm -hmm. That
0: would be like almost borderline child abuse nowadays, (laughs) you know, you make someone referee at 11. I love it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was so, it was fun, you know, and back then the atmosphere is, you know, so different. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen a lot of adversity through my life as a referee, I'm sure you guys have too. And as we see, as we continue to go, and I think that really molded me as a person, you know, we all talk, always talk about how sports, you know kid, they mold kids and they teach life lessons i i believe same thing with officiating too there's a ton of life lessons i feel like especially when um i really got my first so i started camp when i was 18 and i really didn't get hired and do games until i was 21 so there was what four years there where were not good enough yet not ready maybe next year it's okay you know and the question was am i going to keep going or am I just going to hang out at the high school level, which is OK, and and enjoy it and work it occasionally and um, or make this something further. And I chose I'm going to keep coming back. I enjoy it. This is really fun. It it it, it soothes my soul as weird as that sounds. Mm. Um, and that's when I the, the I remember some someone had told me this one of the One of our commissioners at D3 asked Jeff Cross, who's sitting right next to him, and said, hey, do you think I should hire her? And Jeff goes, why not? What's holding you back? And so, you know, and I just think that's so cool. There's just so many people that cheer you on, even if you feel that's not the case you know next year you know come back next year come back next year you know and there's well, so Aaron, long let long. me just
1: let me just slip in and say sure. that, i love the fact that you said you got encouragement when you were 18 stepping into a college camp i mean most mm-hmm. people would say okay 18s too young for mm-hmm. to college basketball right
2: and i was <laughs> but, that, but, that,
1: but that's not the reason why you went you went to no. learn the right way Uh, You know, there are some phenomenal groups out there. I know on the baseball side, uh, there's a a camp called the Mid-America Umpire Camp in Springfield, Missouri, that Jason Blackburn runs. And Mm -hmm. every year they have young umpires, as young as 14, 15 sometimes, Mm -hmm. that come in and are learning. And that's kind of thing, at that age, you could so easily just squash those kids. Oh, you don't Mm -hmm. know what you're doing. You can't Mm -hmm. be out here working these games. And instead they encourage and support. And some of those young kids have gone on to, pro umpire school. They've gone on to work college baseball and other things because uh, an older official said, if, if we're gonna keep this going, we have to pour into younger officials. So mm-hmm. I just wanna say to those out there that are listening, when, when you get that young Aaron Frias that steps into your camp or into your local high school association or that local rec league that you're working, you know, this is an example of what can happen when somebody gives that positive encouragement to them. And then since that time, Erin, you've really done some pretty amazing things. Give us just a little short synopsis of some of the things you've been able to accomplish as a college women's basketball referee.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, everyone strives, everyone has goals, you know, and whether it's per season or every five years or every, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, every year that I was been given a game, even a game, you know, it was okay. Maybe next year I worked on a, B and C and then it was more. And then, um, finally it was working a lot of postseason for the conferences, you know, the different conferences I worked amongst. And then it was, um, NCAA postseason. and then in 2018. So I was at the college that I was hired when I first hired, so it was nine years, um, working hard. And I was fortunate enough to do the, uh, final four at the D3 national, uh, championship, which was such an amazing experience. And, you know, I, I credit everything from day one when I started to, to that success. And, um, it's something that not everyone gets to, to do, but it should be in your trajectory as if if you want to continue to grow. And, And sometimes, you know, I just wanted to make a comment back when we were talking about, you know, high school and young and stuff like that is, is camp is where you learn and then you learn, learn, learn. And then season is where you perform, perform, perform. What you learn in camp is what you, you know, you perform on the stage per se. Um, so I, I think nine years of learning to be able to perform on such a high stage at the D3 level, any level, really, um, it takes a lot of grit, a lot of pursuit, a lot of no's, a lot of good games, a lot of bad games, a lot of fun games, a lot of long rides home, drives home, you know, that wasn't so great, some tears, of sacrifices you know whether it's at home personal relationships friendships and stuff like that so um it's been great you know i i i enjoy it let me
0: ask you this Mm
2: -hmm. what
0: do you think in your nine years what do you think was a turning point where you said hmm i got a i got a chance to elevate in officiating was there something that happened to you a summer a game Someone that you spoke to, whatever it was, something that happened, and it goes, Hey, I'm going to even another boost of confidence as I'm maybe four or five years into this to, to, to put you on this trajectory.
2: There was a point in time where I was going to stop officiating. Um, it was a crossroad. Mm-hmm. And I know I listened to some of your prior prior uh podcasts here you guys talked about you know how do you define success and um i think success is moldable and it's adaptable so Mm -hmm. it changes over time once you get there i wasn't quote unquote what i thought was i felt success was i was not being assigned those game those games that you've you know I I was measuring my success postseason etc and then it was having conversations with people like you guys you know good intimate circle um, that just keep your head going it's okay and I then I got a phone call from one of my um, division three assigners I've been working about four or five years um, not much postseason yet and uh, postseason in the conference and NCAA postseason, and she said you need to take the next step I said what do you mean she goes you need to take the next step you have put your time in you you know you worked in your high school you really worked hard at your high school you have been working hard at the division three level you need to take that next step and expand you guys also use the toolbox, uh, (laughs) analogy to expand your toolbox and get out, you know, get some higher level. Um, this is talking about like D one, um, camps and stuff like that. You need to go and expand and continue to develop yourself so you can be a good solid division three official. And at the time I was doing high school too. Um, because I needed to see plays. I needed repetition. I needed the weird stuff. And, um, that phone call happened at the perfect time when I thought I was like, nah, I'm kind of done with this, you know, and it's just kind of divine intervention, you know, at the end of the day. And, 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 uh, it was a blessing. And I continued on, I went to camp for the first time at the higher level and, you know, got a no, got nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, I took, which was okay. It was good. I was way too early. Same thing at when I went at 18. If I would have been hired at 18, I would have been out by 21. Mm. Burned out, wouldn't have seen enough plays, would have expected too much. It, when I look back at it, it was it would have been too early. I was too young, too immature, not enough plays and not enough um, networking experience, if that makes sense too, Mm -hmm. you know, being so young and, and, and not having others to relate to, I think I would have fallen off the bandwagon, not the bandwagon, that's a bad word, but falling off, you know, the train of, of my goals. So Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's interesting because we've actually spoken in the past about, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's our circles. If that's what we're going to call those inner circles. And we need to reach out to people and encourage them. Imagine if we didn't do that, Chad, you mm-hmm. know, imagine if we wouldn't do that. If, if someone didn't do that to Aaron, we, we may not be having this conversation and Aaron would be, you know, just going about her life and, and outside of officiating, she wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be pursuing that. So also it takes is one person, we're thinking about that person and you know, like, Hey, let's just talk to, let's call a, a younger official and encourage them to keep plugging away, you know, keep grinding, you know, maybe let's, let's, let's try and stretch yourself a little bit. Let's move that yardstick. As we talk about, mm-hmm. those are all things that that wouldn't have happened. We're, we're not having this conversation potentially.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so important for us to remember. And we, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, this idea that for, for us to find success, as officials, it has to be about more than us. Officiating is a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so we have to take those moments to encourage one another. We have to, we we had, Jeff and I had a conversation this morning with a fellow official where we were mm-hmm. just talking about some of the amazing things that he's been able to accomplish in in just about a decade in college basketball officiating. And it was so funny because as we were saying that to him, it was almost like this light bulb reminder to him like, wow, I, I really have been able to do some pretty cool stuff. Because a lot of mm-hmm. times we think about what we haven't done rather than what we've had the opportunity to do. And we've said we always want to be connected to people that are where we want to be, want to be connected mm-hmm. with people where we're at, and we also want to be connected with people that aren't where we're at yet because they'd love to be in our shoes. We, we think of the things mm-hmm. that we're not at, but they'd love to be where we're at right now. And Aaron, one of the things that I'd, I'd really like to talk to you about specifically, you know, Jeff, as we were talking, it's been about 10 years since Jeff's been on a D3 court. Uh, the, the vast majority of Jeff's schedule in basketball is division one, uh, and well earned and rightfully so, uh, he still works some division two stuff as well. Um, I'm fortunate enough to get to work at those, those lower levels. You kind of span the whole gamut. You'll, you'll work mm-hmm. division one games this year, division two, division three. I'm sure you'll work some Juco and other things like that mixed in. Um, that's kind of what we all do to, to fill out our schedules. But talk to me just a little bit, if you could, kind of having that experience right now. What is special about working small college women's basketball?
2: I think there's multiple facets to that question and multiple answers. Sure. One is I was a Division three soccer player. So I get the grind and the work ethic that they have to put in. And I get that. So I think it's special to be able to give back, um, at that, you know, at the division three level to the athletes, um, obviously the coaches too. I, I don't know the coaches on any means, but understanding that what my coach went through, um, the time, the effort, et cetera, to coach us is the same, I'm sure at the basketball side of things is the same relative. So to be able to give back to them and have, and, and work at the division three, especially in my area specifically, I mean, in Wisconsin, Illinois area, division three is very prevalent. There's not a lot of division two schools. Um, so you have a really good athletes at the division three level around here that could have gone division one but chose not to or division two or whatever so we see some really quality plays and really quality um so i think that is special to me with the athletes and the coach i also think that's really neat is um it they're hard games Sometimes they're harder than the highest, you know, higher levels and because of the competitiveness. So I think it's fun, and I use that word loosely because that could be misconstrued different ways, to work with newer officials on those tough games. Because I was there at one point and to see them succeed or have a tough play or maybe missed it. but know they handle the coach really well or they handle the whole situation like i think that's really neat it's a good learning platform too um i don't um i don't want to say that every game is a learning because i don't want to our our bosses to (laughs) Mm -hmm. to have to tell the coaches every game is a learning but you know we all actually we all are we're all students of the game so Mm -hmm. you know and and um i think it's neat to be able to be a leader at the division three level, you know, the JUCOs and stuff like that. I'd no longer do high school. Um, but if someone, I have somebody in here asked me to go watch her high school game because she's trying to get into the college level. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I think it's really neat when you're kind of in that middle, finding your way, um, working all levels is to be a leader, to be a sounding board. And I've been in those shoes. You watch people grow up. Someone like Jeff watched me grow, literally grow up in the game. Um, Mm. you know, and, and making
0: me sound old, bro.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And like, as a friend, he's a great mentor, you know, and, and, and same for you, you know, Chad, you know, Jeff for a long time, he mentored you. He watched you grow up in the game too. and I hope that I can give back to that. I think, and I hope I can be that person, even if they're year one and they're 40 years old, who cares? They're older than me, doesn't matter. Or they're 21, you know, it doesn't matter. So I think it's really, really neat to to be in that level, to have the confidence for me personally, to have the confidence through that, to have the courage to say something and to have somebody call me and say, hey, can you look at this play A, B and C and trust me? And, you know, I think that was a hard, hard point was when you make that transition, people don't necessarily trust you right away. You know, I don't know what she's doing, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, she, she's, she's there for a reason. And I'm going to give her a call or I'm going to shoot her a, a play. So,
0: so let me ask you this. And I, I had asked the other person we were traveling with today, the same question. I want to ask you this question, you know, so I'm just, you know, taking some assumptions here most of your division three games, you know, you've been to the, the, the final four the championship game in 2018, I think you said. So not the
2: championship. I was on okay. a, the semi. Yep. You're good though.
0: The, okay. The semifinal. So you're at the final four, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a great big stage. And then you, so let's just say you get, you have a week full of games and Monday is a division three game. Wednesday is a division three game. Uh, Thursday is a division three game. And then Saturday is a division one game. You're crew chief, crew chief, crew chief. And then you show up to Division One Gaming. Now you're the U two. What to walk us through that, that mindset, that process that you're going through as the week goes by, like, okay, you know, the game's counting on me, you know, or these younger officials are counting on me, counting on me, counting on me. And then all of a sudden the roles are switched within 24 hours from a Friday to a Saturday. How does that affect you? How do you handle those situations?
2: Um, I take it as how I look at when I'm a crew chief as at division three, what my U one and U two are doing that day, what are they doing? They're listening. They're observing. Mm -hmm. And when I go into that division one game, I'm still going to be a strong official, but I'm going to listen. I'm, you know, and how did, you know, Jeff handle that coach on that tough play or, you know, or I'm thinking the same thing too, is like, Ooh, that was a tough play. You know, what could I have said? Um, So it's hard um, in the standpoint, cause the play is different, mm-hmm. but that is where a strong crew chief on the division one level, which they always obviously they're there for a reason gets us mentally prepared. So then when I go into division three and, you know, I'm the same, you know, getting them mentally prepared as well. One thing I have noticed that I try to adapt into my game is making people comfortable. My crew chief at the division one level makes me very comfortable. I don't care that you just worked for division three games and you come on Saturday to work division one. I. I need you. You're part of my team. And um, you are an asset. That's how I feel at the U two when my crew chief is there. And that's what I try to emulate at the division three level is how can I help? You are an asset. You're a part of my team tonight. You know, I don't care if you worked a freshman game yesterday, freshman high school game. I don't care. We are working, you know, number one and two tonight. I need you. You're here for a reason. And and that's something that over the past couple of years I've tried to emulate at the division three level because I've noticed I appreciate that when I come in as a U2 at the division one level.
1: Well, you know, I, I know for many of us, when we get our schedules each year, uh, of course, we're looking to see right, how many games, right? We, we all want to know how many games at what level and, you know, what are the paychecks going to be there, I think. But then almost always, some people immediately, they go to look to see what the matchup is. They want to know, did I get one versus two or <laughs> did I get three versus seven? Or I, for me, I immediately go to who my crew is. Mm-hmm. Who's my crew? like I know for a fact that Aaron and I are working a couple games together this year. We got a D2 yeah. game together, we got a D3 game together, and from the moment that I saw her name on that list, that was a that was a red circle game. You know, that's that can be a great Aww, game. I game appreciate because, it. Because I know when when I was starting out, Aaron was my crew chief. I remember a game we worked at Alberto together and, and had a blast with and and so I know that when I go into that game, it's something that that is gonna be a very positive experience. You know, when you look at, at uh, again, I wanna think of this small college level, when you're being a leader, because I, I know a lot of people that listen to our podcast, they wanna grow in their officiating ability. Mm-hmm. And that's not just play calling, it's, it's also how do you be a leader on the court or on the baseball field or on the soccer pitch or wherever you may be working, what are those things that you bring to a newer I'll use newer rather than younger, but a newer official, what are those specific things that you do, whether it's leading up to the game or at the game, pre-game, during game, post-game, what are those things that you're doing to help make that person feel like they're a part of the team?
0: And we want the uncommon version, not the common stuff. right? <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's reaching out to them, talking to them, you know, whether it's a text message or, you know, our email, we, you know, we email we have to do to, to um, confirm our dates and stuff like that. But it's also to follow up or send plays, hey, we should maybe take a look at this. This is something that I, I noticed um, or, or, uh, hey, we had a tough play here and we talk more about our positioning versus the right or wrong, you know, yes, we should know if it's right or wrong call um, but at the end of the day is how can we get better and versus you know you did this or you did that it's more just welcoming like hey we all we all miss it it's okay let's let's put this in our memory bank and next time you have a play like this on the court you're going to get it right we're going to get it right um you know one thing that i i give advice uh, to when when they ask um, newer officials ask is you know does it get does the season get long how do you stay with it you know and mentally and stuff and at some point and I just started doing this about three or four years ago is I take a full week off in the end of January full week block every schedule is because I need to recharge for myself as a partner as a wife <laughs> as a mother um, you know as a friend I need to recharge. Now that I'm like, I, I'm a social introvert. I like to socialize, but I need to take time to recharge. Um, and that, how that is, I need a little alone time, um, by myself or just, you know, no games specifically for basketball, no games. And I do that. So when we go into February, I'm a better referee for my partners. I'm a better referee for the players. I'm a better referee for the coaches. Um, especially, you know, the end of the February is where everyone's fighting tooth and nail. So I think that's uncommon. I just started that, like I said, three or four years ago um, to to better myself for the end of the year. I'm willing to sacrifice two or three assignments that week or paycheck, however you want to measure it, to be better in the long run. So when postseason comes around, when when I'm ready for the conference tournament, my bosses who assigned me that I am at my A game. I'm not tired. I'm not, you know, over the season, you know, so that's something that I do um, that I don't think a lot of people do, which is okay to each their own. Um, But I know myself, I'm a social introvert that I need a little, I need a little break. And
0: Let's hope that the assigners are not listening and going, oh, great. Now all these referees across the country are going (laughs) to take
2: the same week
0: off (laughs) Up in January, they don't have anybody, if you want to just be open in the last, in the January, I work,
2: I work Saturdays not to come. I I do Monday through Friday just because I know Saturdays are tough um, for everyone. So I do help out there, but you know, and, and some people don't need that, you know, some people are okay and they're good and they can go from end of October to middle of march or end of february whatever their schedule allows them and and that's okay you know i have a i have a um i was gonna um you know i i think
1: i think aaron here's here's something that i I hear you saying is is that you you and so for you that's what's necessary now for somebody else who's an extreme extrovert Mm
2: -hmm. when they've
1: got a Friday night off, they may need to go work a freshman boys game somewhere because it yep. just keeps them in the game and it keeps them going and have that night off might be might be detrimental for them. I, I think it's a really good reminder that there is no cookie cutter pattern nope. for mm-hmm. us to do this. You know, I, I think being uncommon means not just doing what everybody else is doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I wanna just, I wanna pay back off of that. And that's like when I first started, you know, and everyone starts very differently in their, in their life. It could be, you know, towards the, you know, you know, over 40, it could be at 18, it could be at 25, be at 55, whatever. And one thing I always ran into is, oh, you have to do it A, B, and C. You know, everything is so different. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that. And it's like, pay. Thank you. Thank you for your opinion. And I appreciate it. We move on. And I think that's just really important to newer officials, um, especially getting into the game is you do have to put your time into a certain degree, meaning you need to see plays. You need to see weird plays. You, you know, you need to go to camp. You need to do things in order to be able to take oh, say a week off in January or December, whatever, you know, and, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, you gotta put, you got, you have to put some time in and you gotta put effort in and it's off season. It's, it's leading, you know, the few weeks before, you know, I, I just had a baby, you know, my baby's two months and I just got cleared two weeks ago to start working out, you know? And so should I go run a marathon today? No, but I am sacrificed. You know, I get up. My husband gets up first at 430. He works out. He's a college uh, wrestling referee, or I don't know what they call them, referees and um, umpires. He'll be, and... he'll be happy
0: to know that, you know, he's, that. A, yeah.
2: he's an official.
0: We'll, we'll give I'm it that. He's definitely better. an
2: official. Yes, he be like, he babe,
0: you don't know what I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about wrestling. So, Fair. um, but I support him a hundred percent. And, uh, anyway, so he, he, he gets up at 430. He's the one that works out. To work out first and then I feed the baby and then when he's done he has about a half hour window he watches and I get down there and I can do what I can when I say down there in my basement um because it and get a quick jog in or run in and a quick lift in or whatever I need to do that day to to be ready in the next week or so. Um you know I'm a little quote-unquote behind the eight ball so i have to sacrifice some things that maybe you guys had a whole year or a whole summer to work on so Mm -hmm. i think that's something that's that's also unique is being able to sacrifice things you have to choose what to sacrifice um you know and whether that's sleep it happens (laughs) and uh
1: well, and, and let's just piggyback off that for a second, because uh, I think one of the things that obviously Jeff and I don't have the same perspective on here is, is what it's like to be a, a female doing this job. And uh, we had the opportunity to, to work a scrimmage today. And I what an amazing thing to be able to show those athletes that are out there on the court that, you know what, yes, I can be a mom, and I can be a significant other, and I can have my career, and I can have those things, um, and still perform at a very high level, and still be able to do those things uh, that I want to do, and you're right, you make sacrifices in order to do that, Uh, but what an amazing thing, and not only to have done it, but to have done it at this incredibly high level that you've Mm -hmm. been able to do, and so as we kind of begin to to bring this a little bit to a, a, a close, I, I'd like to ask two questions and then I'm sure Jeff will have a follow-up or two to that if I know mm-hmm. Jeff at all. Um, n- number one, when you think about your greatest experience on the court, we you just go that thing that when you think about being on the court just makes you smile every time you think about it, what's that moment for you? Mm, good question
2: is being I think is being able to provide feedback to how I was given feedback and to watch someone grow and that aha moment where you've watched them since day one where they were diamond in the rough as myself Mm -hmm. was at one point I didn't blow a whistle um to that aha moment of they're getting it and they're gonna go and they're gonna go somewhere. And maybe next year, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe before I'm gone, you know, who knows? But that is what fulfills me as a person, as a co worker. I, I work a day job still as a co worker. As a mom, as a husband, or excuse me, husband, as a wife that watches my husband, um, he's just starting out. And to watch him, you know, get those goals and those hurdles that he, you know, he may have ran into, he leaps them, that fulfills me as a person. So to see that um happen is amazing. And to be experienced, to be a within that experience or on that game at that time, um, I think that is something that, um, is very fulfilling and very unique to me. Um, but also, um, you know, as a, as a crew, you know, even if it's an experienced one and we all do a nice job.
1: Yeah. And then I know that, you know, you've had all the success, at these lower levels, and you're getting the opportunities to, to work Division One basketball. And, and I'm sure that that is a huge part of your goals for the future is to continue to advance in that kind of way. You know, as, as there are people that are going to be listening to this today that will never work a Division One game in their life. And maybe it's because of when they started, or maybe it's because of what their job availability is, or I mean, there can mm-hmm. be lots of, re- they may be. Every as good a official, but maybe just life circumstances don't allow for that. Uh, there are other people that because of where they're at, you know, their their only focus is small college. You know, they know, hey, mm-hmm. I yep. may not do this, but man, I'd love to work at D3 National Championship someday. I'd love to work in NAI or a JUCO Final Four, you know, things like that. But let me ask you this. How is it that working college basketball at the small college level, at such a high level, how has it prepared you for some of your goals for the future?
2: Adversity. You know, there's, when I mean adversity is not in a negative light, like, you know, someone was mean to you that day or something like that. Not that type of adversity, but I was told no for four years, you know, I was 18. I was young. I think, you know, you, 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 when you face a hurdle, you have a bad game or whatever, you have to quickly turn that off. And that adversity as you continue to grow. And, you know, I went to camp the higher level three years before I even got an exhibition game, you know, and I'm very fortunate for that because you can only control what you can control. I can control my fitness, I can control how I, how I act, you know, as a person. Um, So I think being able to do that at the division three level and having that quote unquote adversity, you know, in general, or not getting the postseason, it prepares for the D1 or the D1 aspect is you got to keep grinding. Tomorrow might be your chance. You might get that phone call and you have to make it to Madison in two hours and it takes you an hour and 50 minutes you're going to, you know, you, you have to be ready. And I think that's where, you know, um, sometimes we forget and I, and I, and I'm going to use this very loosely. I don't, I'm not categorizing anyone, but sometimes when you start working the higher levels, you forget how to work at the division three level. It's just as important as a division one game. And it's just as important to, as a division two, because it is important to those athletes. Mm-hmm. So, and the coaches and the stakeholders, as well as the referees on that game, you know, like you said, Chad, it the person that's on that game may only want to work division three well I want to be the best I can be so if they're taking notes on how I'm play calling or how I handle a coach that night I want to give them the best product to maybe put in their toolbox and maybe use it later when they're in an adverse situation and when they need to pull it out and use it so I think that has sort of prepared as you go to division one, you run into different adversities. um, But also I'm going to give you a, a good positive on it is how to network, you know, and like I said, I'm a social introvert. I don't seek out necessarily conversations, but at the, you know, I'm at the crew chief always makes us very comfortable at the division one level. And therefore that relaxes me. And I, I can have, a nice conversation and network and call so-and-so call jeff up and say hey whatever i i kicked this plate can you help me on this i need to learn from it and he's not going to judge so and that's kind of how he, i learn you know you learn as your student at division one but still being a strong referee and you take that into the division three where you have people in your same shoes maybe just a different level it's okay mm-hmm. you know and so how I'm being treated at division one. I want to bring that at the division three. They're being very, you know, very kind to me in the locker room, not standoffish. I'm better than you by any means. So I'm trying every year as a goal to be that good referee at the division three level and, and outlet and friend and.
0: Absolutely. Jeff, what do you got for us? Well, here's my question. I got two questions. Okay. First question is how, or I don't want to say how, but I'm going to say, so do you think that being an official, whether it be at 11 years old in soccer or working the, you know, the final four in division three or a division one game, do you think that made you a better employee slash spouse? And if so, how did it happen? How, How do you think it did that?
2: 100%. And I say that in in my personal work, I work for an insurance company and I handle claims. So um, it's a very, can be a very contentious sometimes, but a lot of times it's very rewarding. But as a referee, I can have good conversations in a tough situation. Um, I can bring um, the... um, um, from when they're, you know, when people are, I'm on the phone, it's a lot of phone stuff. So, um, I bring them down off, bring them down a level is what I'm trying to say and have a decent conversation, have an honest conversation. Um, I also believe in, um, I'm a better employee cause I'm more organized, um, mm. task or task oriented, you know, need to be task oriented. And I think we can be task oriented at, as an official, you know, in time management, Um, you know, you, I gotta leave by three o'clock, but I have a report that needs to be done by the the day. I'm not going to waste, you know, I'm gonna try to get done by 10 o'clock. You know, I'm not going to waste the whole day. You know, when just in case, Hey, just kidding. I need you at one o'clock here and no longer need you on the three o'clock game or whatever the case may be, you know, and you're going to say, yes. Okay. Well, I can't say no sorry, my reports to do, you know, I'm not going to say that. So I think as overall, as a person officiating teaches us a ton of life lessons. Like I said, going back, yes, I was 11 when I first started doing soccer. It has developed as, like I said, time management, um, discipline, and then, um, as an you know that developed into as an employee as i went through college and then as when you graduate and then as an employee of the place where i work they they know they know basketball season i'm very honest with them to leave early um i don't take sick days um i take a vacation day you know and i always tell them i always let them know that hey this week I got A, B, and C and I always have them tell me if I am, if I'm slipping on my work, I ask them to please, you know, let me know um, because just, you know, it's just, I just, that's how I want to know. I, I, that's when we go to camp, we go to camp, we pay money to, to learn, right. And be better. And that same thing, you know, as an employee, I want to be better. I want to be a good employee. I want to be a good wife. And, um, having calm conversations, you know, I think that's, that helps in the marriage aspect to your question, Jeff is, and being a listener, you know, that's one thing when I was young as a referee at any level, I wouldn't listen, you know, I was not a good listener and, and we have to be, you know, and same thing in your marriage as we evolve, um, gotta be a good listener and what are they you know what is really going on sometimes as referees too we have to read between the lines you know what are they really upset about they're not upset about that travel we just missed they're upset about the way their team's playing or whatever the case may be sometimes we have to read between the lines um and i think that's something that's just an, an attribute we learn and then and and even in friendships too so
0: all right final question And I've asked this. I asked this to everyone, you know, most everyone I know. But um, what do you want your legacy to be?
2: I want my legacy to be, and I really have thought about this. Now, my two-year-old does a lot. She mimics me a lot, and I've so I've really been at this in general. Has really been over the past, you know, six months. Has been tugging at my heart, you know. Is I want to be a good role model. I want to go. I want to be a person that someone can come to me and call me when something went haywire that I'm not going to judge. And that side note first just happened. This just last season, someone had a call in overtime and. Person called me and said, "I know you won't judge me. Just call. You know, I just need to talk this out with you. I'm having a bad day." And and then I was there to support, you know. So to be a sounding board, to be known as someone who always worked hard, who's always honest, when good and bad and and indifferent. So, um, I think, I think. There's a lot to learn on that, on that type of legacy. It's a choice every day. We have to, you know, I have a choice every day to be mm-hmm. honest or to not be honest. That That's something, every situation we're in. Um, so that's kind of my my view on it.
0: I love it, you know? I love it. And I, I hope I instill well that in way. my daughters, I mean, <laughs> you know. You're well on your way to uh, proving that to be true. Absolutely.
1: Aaron, we thank you so much for your time today. Um, for people that have not met Erin yet, uh, you're not going to find somebody who's any more passionate about what she does and cares about other people, uh, which is why people want to circle those games uh, when they get put on them with her. Uh, and we don't give it up your time, especially as a mom with uh, two little ones at home. Uh, and she's been doing an amazing job, even as we've been uh, talking together, of kind of juggling all that. And uh, mm. I will tell you, Jeff and I, neither one would be good at doing that. So it's just proof. <laughs> Uh, that you guys handle this so much better than we do. Uh, and we're, we're so thankful for you giving some of your time to us today as, as we look at what it means to be uncommon in our drive towards success. Okay,
2: thank, thank you, you guys. So much.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, guys. See y'all
1: later. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.